Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On this edition of the show, we once again spoke with our colleagues Chris Baldwin of Angry Afro Radio and Melissa Smith of Girl Boxing on The War Room. A video of this discussion has also been posted on the Angry Afro Radio YouTube page. Our discussion took place Sunday, September 5th. We discussed the death of 18-year-old Jeanette Zakaria Zapata, who passed this week from injuries sustained in a bout in Montreal. We also discussed how WBC super featherweight champ Oscar Valdez, who failed a doping test for the WBC's clean boxing program conducted by the Voluntary Anti-Doping Association, VADA, will still be allowed to fight and defend his WBC belt on September 10th. And we addressed the startling controversy involving Amanda and Cindy Serrano and their trainer-manager, Jordan Maldonado. All this is part of our in-depth coverage of the corrupt world of boxing and sports governance in general. But before we get to that, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com, that's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop. Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And... Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon. For much more no-holds-barred content, that's at patreon.com slash 
Eddie Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent, no-holds-barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even miniskirts at the new No-Holds-Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Welcome back to the War Room, my beautiful people. I am your host, Chris Baldwin, and I am here today with my two co-hosts, Eddie Goldman from No Holds Barred News and author and historian, boxing historian, Melissa Smith. But before we get started today, you guys know I need you to hit that like button, smash it, and then follow us, subscribe to us, okay, on this YouTube channel. Now, uh, I want to welcome back to the show, Melissa and Eddie. How are you guys doing today? What's cracking? <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Everybody's doing good. Um, we've had a very interesting week in boxing. There's been like, uh, we've had a, a major death. We've had a PED announcement and the fight is still going to go on. So we're going to talk about that first. Uh, Eddie, you want to give us a breakdown on what happened on this? Uh, the D WBC has allowed a championship fight to go on, uh, despite the <coughs> champion popping positive for a PED. Let's talk about that. Yeah, because uh, this situation happened with the fight coming up uh, next week with uh, Oscar Valdez. And this fight had the drug testing done by VADA, the Voluntary Anti-Doping Association, because I don't think that the local commission, the Pasca Yaki tribe, I think it's called, in Arizona, doesn't eat drug testing. A lot of these small commissions, even larger ones, do no drug testing or cursory drug testing. So they signed the contract with Valdez and his opponent to have Vada do the drug testing for this fight. The situation is that Vada has a much more comprehensive list of banned substances than WADA, the World Anti-Doping Association, or agency rather. And there's this one stimulant that's on, among many that are on VADA's list that are not on the WADA list, fentamine. And in addition, VADA makes no distinction between what is called out-of-competition and in-competition testing. This is a distinction that WADA makes because something like the stimulant and others can be used for weight loss, it could be used for various other reasons that are, are off rant. This is a prescription drug. And if you really need to take it, if a doctor prescribes it to you, you can apply for a therapeutic use exemption. And if there's a legitimate reason for it, that was not done in this case. And what happened was one of the tests that was done for Valdez showed that he was positive for it. And then all the excuses came. 
His lawyer said he got it from herbal herbal tea, which is an absurdity because, of course, nobody presented any evidence of it. Valdez himself said he didn't know where he got it from. So the question is, why wasn't this fight canceled? Well, VADA does not adjudicate these situations. They do the testing, they report the results, and that's it. And in terms of what happens next, if somebody tests positive, that's up to the governing body, the local commission. So when something similar happened with Billy Joe Saunders in Massachusetts, I believe it was, that fight was canceled. In this situation, this is a fight on ESPN+. Plus. It involves top rank. There's a lot of money involved. They sold tickets for this fight. And so they all, and of course, the WBC gets a sanctioning fee. If you cancel the fight, no sanctioning fee for them. So they all got together and they said, well, yeah, it's on the prohibited list, but it's not on the water prohibited list. Plus, it was only a small amount and blah, blah, blah. One excuse after another that is allowing Oscar Valdez to fight after he tested positive for this banned substance. And they're using legalistic arguments because it's not on the water list, which a lot of people like Victor Conti have pointed out for a long time is a big problem with the water list. By the way, they're, they're busting people on water still for cannabis, as we saw with mm -hmm. uh, Jackery Richardson in the Olympics, but not for these stimulants which are prescription drugs. So th this is a situation. They all got together. They came up with excuses and they said Valdez still will be able to fight next week on September the 10th. And it just made a complete mockery of this testing. Why have the testing by VADA if you found positive for a banned substance and the fight is still allowed to go on? This to me, this shows a larger issue with governance and boxing that the promoters and networks do not want addressed precisely so they could push forward situations exa exactly like this, where a fighter who used this, whether he knew it or not, is, is irrelevant. If it's in the fighter's body and the fighter got the advantages from that, that's the thing that's important. And his opponent in this fight, a Brazilian fighter, Hobson Canseco, is a lesser-known fighter. He's 32 years old, 16-0, and 0, but he hasn't really fought top, top-level uh, competition before. So it's really expected that this is going to be a, a showcase fight for, for Valdez, who's coming off a really exciting fight where he knocked out uh, Miguel Burchelt back in February in the 10th round. He was unexpectedly dominating that fight. He just beat up Burchelt. I actually thought ahead of time Valdez was going to win that fight, but most people didn't. But in any case, he built up a name for himself and a lot of anticipation. Wow, he took down Burchelt. Uh, what's he going to, you know, he gets this, this belt. What's he going to do next? We really want to see this guy fight. He's an exciting fighter. So they didn't want to cancel the fight. 
and it's it's utterly absurd. The the this is why these promoters and networks are deathly opposed to having a some kind of national commission for boxing and uniform regulations, so that not only say in the larger states can have some semblance of drug testing, such as uh, Nevada or California or New York, or at least some of them will recognize VADA drug testing. There's nothing uniform that's that's done. And this is why they can forum shop and they could put a, a fight like this in a place where there's very, very weak uh, a very, very weak and compliant commission that really is happy to get a big fight like this, to get the money coming in, to get the fans coming in, whatever whatever side fee, whatever else they've, they've got for this. It's, it's utterly absurd. And the issue of governance it, as such is rarely discussed in boxing. A lot of people are complaining about this if you look online. But how many people have raised the overall issue of governance? I know VADA has in terms of what they said about the need for national regulation on their tweets. And Dr. Mark Goodman has been an advocate of that for a long time. But we don't have any real movement to that. So uh, just another absurd situation, along with a number of other tragic ones we're going to discuss uh, on this show that show that there needs to be an overhaul, complete overhaul in the governance of professional boxing and really in sports in general. But I, I think we'll, we'll get to that. And yes, exactly. Especially when it comes to PEDs. I mean, um, this young lady who passed away, Jessica uh, Zacatas, I believe, um, Right. She should not have been fighting, first of all, because I saw that she was knocked out, what, two months or three months in the fight prior to that. So she should have had probably like a six month layoff. And she's young, too. She's only 18. So her I think her brain development, your skull development's not uh, completed. Your bonus, your bones are still your skull still like uh, coming together. So fusing together. So I, I just think, yeah, it was that, it's a very sad situation. Very sad. But Melissa, let's talk about that. Hold on, Eddie. Melissa, let's go ahead, Eddie. I just wanted to add one thing about this, that some of the promoters had used USADA, the U.S. uh, Anti-Doping Agency, which is the official affiliate of WADA, to do uh, drug tests. And they had done over several years, about eight years, 1,501 drug tests, and they found only one adverse finding, one positive test, which is absurd. So they were dumped. So you can't even rely on USADA, which looks very compromised at best. And that's one of, another reason that VADA has come in. So we're dealing with a, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of shady stuff that's going on. Right. Melissa, let's hear your take on the whole uh, PED situation and these in this uh, instance well, I, where the young lady passed away. I, I guess, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll go to the fact that the sanctioning body in this case, WBC, is allowing the fight to go forward, which I find really shocking because they have been quite outspoken in their support for VADA testing 
and in uh, you know in particular on the women's side which uh, is very late to the party to start to bring vada testing onto uh, fights um, and they have been a particularly active proponent of this as well as things like you know boxing safety for women and in their case wbc in particular has stated they will never support three-minute rounds in part because they believe in their science uh, which is uh, subject to a lot of question and review seems to claim that women have a, a higher uh, opportunity to have impacts from being punched in the head and getting concussions now as i said that's a that's a whole other scientific discussion that has come under a lot of criticism in terms of how that science was derived at and whether there have really been peer studies. So that, that's a whole longer term discussion. But in terms of the issue of governance that um, Eddie raised, I mean, in this particular situation, we, there was an 18 year old fighter named uh, Jeanette Zacharias Zapata. She was from Mexico. She is a pro fighter. She had a two, a two and four record. So she had a lot of losses at the age of 18, including a very serious knockdown in May, which uh, caused her to lose the fight. She lost, apparently lost consciousness in the ring, but came out okay. Um, certainly if that fights in the US, a boxer is not supposed to fight for six months after that kind of a knockdown and has to have neurological tests and including brain scans. Now, she was uh, brought to, this fight actually occurred in Canada, in Montreal. So it did not occur in the United States. And a group of fighters from Mexico were brought up to Montreal to fight on the card. Those, um, this particular card um, had a headline of Kim Clavel, who's a French female professional fighter very well thought of. And um, another fighter named Marie Pierre Houle, who was also on the card, um, was the uh, had Jeanette Zakaria Zapata as her opponent. Now, folks who uh, I this particular card was actually a pay-per-view card and one of the small little um, um, sort of internet fight uh, organizations. It was about 40, $39.95, I think, for the fight. So I didn't happen to watch it. And I will also add parenthetically, you can't find it now because uh, I've been right. looking all over the place for it. Uh, but uh, as part of that card, uh, though folks who did see it you know, anecdotally, had, anecdotally had said that the card was a complete mismatch except for the, the, the main event, which had a real fight. Uh, certainly Zacharias, uh, Zapata was outgunned the entire fight. And uh, in the last round, she was knocked unconscious, um, repeatedly hit in the head with no intervention either by her corner or the ref till the fight was over. At that point, she literally collapsed. She, could, she was being held up in the corner and then collapsed, uh, started to seizure mm -hmm. and was brought to the hospital. She never regained consciousness um, and uh, expired from her, her injuries on Thursday. Now, her husband uh, was also on the fight card and lost, I will add. He was one of those fighters who was uh, allegedly, in, you know, has been said to have been in a pretty bad mismatch. Um, and uh, since then, 
the promoter of the fight, uh, it was promoted by the GYM group up in Montreal. The promoter is Yvonne Michel. He had a lot of, you know, statements saying, you know, they supported the family and this was a tragedy, yada, yada, yada. The matchmaker went on to say, oh, if I had known that she had suffered this terrible uh, injury, I would never have made the match. And this all came out because there's now video all over YouTube showing her knockout in, in May. Mm-hmm. Um, and the point being, hey, you know, it's your business to know. Exactly. <laughs> It's your job. That's why you're paid your job. And don't they post do. that on box recs when somebody gets knocked down like that in, yes. a, in a round? Yes, yeah. it, sh- it says it on her box rec. So that's really clear that it says that she was knocked out. Um, and, you know, again, it's three months. She's 18 to your point, you know, which is what does she have had six fights already? At right. the age of 18 is a lot. Okay. Professional fights. Young- professional fighters and we know that kids fight you know there are kids all over the place who fight turn pro at 16 17 18 so that is a governance question and and i will add that since her death the uh quebec coroner's office because the montreal is part of the uh sort of the province of quebec has come out and said they are going to do a very serious inquest to see exactly what caused her death and what the circumstances were of her death. So um, this has a lot of eyes on it. I, I mean, in part, look, any any death in the ring is a tragedy. And we all know that. And, and we all really know that ultimately this is a sport that can kill you. Absolutely. So uh, that that is the truth of the sport of boxing and it's for another conversation as to what that really means but from again to go back into the question of governance here you had a cross-border fight no sanctioning body involved because there were no particular belts on the line for this fight so who were the eyes on the fight it was the promoter the boxing commission and that was it. And the boxing commission never looks, they just rubber stamp whatever you're saying. Right. And yes, the, you know, uh, uh, Yvonne Michelle signed off on the fight. So is he ultimately responsible? Is it the Mexican handlers that are responsible? Who's responsible for her death? And this is going to be a very interesting conversation to tease out because there was complicitness on both sides. What was mm-hmm. she doing in the ring? Why are her promoters allowing her to fight having been suffered such a serious knockdown? That's number one. Secondly, what has she been doing training for the last three months? Has she been getting hit in the head? We had a case of an amateur fighter several years ago. Actually, this was in the run-up 2012 for the first uh, Olympic trials. And this young woman from Florida had suffered a serious injury in the ring in her second fight and it turned out it was something called second impact which is basically she had been sustaining small brain hemorrhages Mm -hmm. during training while she sparred in advance of getting into the ring for competition i think this was a ringside magazine um ringside's uh, uh amateur championship which was a route to the Olympic trials. So she had, she was barely touched in her second fight. 
but she went down just one little knock sent her down and uh she is still not fully recovered now she lived but she is not recovered this is you know eight nine years later so um there head injuries really are no joke it really is something to consider and when you add that into things such as abuse of, med of drugs for performance enhancements and everything else, you really do have to go back to this notion of the thing that we've been trying to do in this country for a hundred years, which is have a national boxing commission. And then at the greater level have an international boxing commission that is going to help set what those rules of engagements are. Again, this is a Mexican fighter who came to, to Canada to fight. Who, who was watching the store? Apparently no one. And she no died. One. And it's absolute tragedy. And as we go into these discussions of pay equity and all the other things that certainly concern female fighters and whether or not we go from two minute rounds to three minute rounds, all these discussions kind of play into that. But the starting premises, you have to be healthy when you come in the ring. And if you're not healthy when you come in the ring, it doesn't matter whether you're fighting two minutes or three minutes, a four right. round fight, a 12 round fight, you're going to go down and you, you risk death. Right. And with that, you figure, you know, when I hear team Serrano was peddling PEDs, it's like, you are just adding fuel to the fire. What the fuck is wrong with you people? It's like you don't give fighters PEDs. They can already kill somebody with their bare hands. You know, if you hit somebody hard enough, you could kill them. So adding performance enhancing uh, drugs to the mix is just a prescription for death. Seriously. And you're not respecting the sport or yourself or your opponents at all. So I lost all respect listening to the allegations that the Serrano team was peddling PEDs. Well, they were. They were uh, 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 Sydney Serrano and her husband, uh, Jordan Serrano, uh, sorry, Jordan Maldonado, who is Amanda's uh, trainer and is her corner person in all of her fights. Uh, he was actually um, convicted and went to prison for peddling PED. He, this was part of a... Mm. And he is a he has a boxing license. Why is he even allowed in the corner? I, he should not even get a license. I don't know the answer. That and again, is you know, you, you coming back to you know, this is a man who was convicted of a felony, um, as was Sydney. And and Amanda was initially in uh, arrested. I mean, she was only around nineteen at the time. Charges were dropped against her. But Cindy, her sister, was convicted and, and fought after. So fought, you know, having been having that kind of conviction, Maldonado was convicted um, and has continued to be a force in boxing in her, in her corner. Most recently uh, at, in her uh, fight on the, on the um, Josh Paul card, um, against Mercado, you know, she fought very well. This was supposed to be her moment. And in a lot of ways, from a fighting perspective, it was a terrific outing, except that her trainer, Maldonado, um, really kind of crossed the line in terms of um, the abuse that he was hurling at Mercado's corner. 
really from the middle rounds on and most particularly caught on camera in the ninth round and at the end of the fight. Oh, yeah. What was he saying? Well, he was using very, very, very choice curses in Spanish. I know, but that's the boxing business. I mean, that's what everybody. It's the boxing business, but it was threatening. He was threatening in the ring. Oh. and, you know, kind of coming into the ring, walking into the center. of the Oh, ring he's being aggressive on top of talking being, shit. <laughs> it's one thing talking shy. You know, it's another thing when you're, right. when you're pushing your chest down in the middle of the ring. And like, as your fighter who's won the fight is being interviewed on air, you're screening Bendejo, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, he was going there. Was, <laughs> and go in there and, and then followed uh, Mercado to the, you know, she was alone getting into the ambulance and he's still yabbing at the mouth that she wasn't fighting like a Mexican fighter. You know, how, why was she? Amanda should have shut that shit down, though. You know, I'm not going to let my managers talk to people all crazy and shit. I don't give a fuck what he's doing, what he's saying. No, it's, that it shit it is not cool. He's more than just a trainer or manager in terms of the relationship to the Serrano sisters, according to uh, Diego Maria's, uh, Maria's article in the uh, in the ring, that he has a lot more control than just someone who's a, a manager or trainer, not allowing her to have a cell phone, things like this. Something else going on there. Mm-hmm. He's a control freak. Yeah, and, you know, people just sort of say, shaking their heads, you know, when they're not putting it on record, but anybody who knows him, who's had you know, opponents who've had to deal with him, just kind of go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, even when uh, Cindy Serrano fought Katie Taylor a few years ago, he was mouthing in the ring and being very intimidating. And uh, Camp Taylor, you know, Katie Taylor's corner was not digging it and really, really was like, hell no. And in part, it's what informed them to say, Hey, you want to have a fight with me? You're going to get that a test, bought a test. Uh-huh. So that's where sort of you're we're closing the loop because uh, Taylor's camp was like, if Serrano's going to fight, we're going for bought a testing. We're not going to bought a test. We're not we're not going there. So we'll we'll see and how he, this all plays out. And as you as you said before, he got uh, Maldonado got thrown out of the previous fight with Amanda Serrano for doing a similar thing. Yeah. The previous fight when she fought Bermudas in Puerto Rico, the, the refs in Puerto Rico said out of here. And that's the thing, you know, when, when uh, on the Jake, Jake Paul card was in um, Cleveland, oh, and it's a very kind of very amateurish group, if you will. I mean, they're not that experienced as refs or anything else. There was stuff they tolerated that, if you did it in Las Vegas or New York or California or Puerto Rico, uh-huh. you're out. And he was tossed out of the, the rake for just that kind of behavior in the last fight. So um, the refs in, in Cleveland just kind of let it go. They didn't know how to handle it, I guess. Um, but again, you know, governance, training, all the things that go into management of a rake. Right. If you're allowing that kind of behavior, if you're allowing bullying in the ring against the other corner, I mean, again, yeah, you're right. You say, hey, that's boxing. Look at Garcia's father. Right. I mean, he's renowned for being a jerk in the ring, in the corner. But there's a line. You're not threatening. You're not in the middle of it. 
what's he going to do next? Is this going to be a Clarissa Shield situation where her brother starts beating up on the opponent's on your opponent's trainer? I mean, that's where it can go. So, um, and and for Serrano, you know, it 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 left a little bit of a bit of taste because people she had a huge audience. She had her largest audience watching her fight. It was her biggest payday by a lot. And you know. When you have the Ring magazine saying, hey, this was a great moment, but you kind of got a little tainted. That's not a good thing. No, that's not a good thing. And you lost a few fans along the way because she lost a fan in me. Yeah. And and then, you know, when you're negotiating with uh, for your next big fight, which is what's happening right now between Eddie Hearn, uh, who's managing uh, Katie Taylor and Lou DiBella for Amanda Serrano and that whole group to try to put together a mega fight in at this point, they're talking about Madison square garden in, in the spring sometime around between women's international day in March on March 8th and, and, uh, and St. Patty's day, which in New York as New York city fans know is the biggest fight day when you have a Puerto Rican fighter and a, and an Irish fighter duking it out. We love that. You just, you can fill that Madison exactly. 10 times over. Um, you know, if, if, if I'm Eddie Hearn, I'm making some big demands on that behavior. I'm saying, you're not going to do this. Right. You're going to put a muzzle on your man. So we'll see. Right. Right on. Okay. So uh, Eddie, anything else you want to touch on today? Before yeah, we- I think, I think that, you know, we go through almost this every week and then people forget about it the next week when something else comes up or there's a really good, exciting fight or important fight announcement. and People talk about that. But for boxing, it's sort of like a death by a thousand cuts. And in our own lifetimes, we've seen such a decline of popularity and prestige of boxing because this stuff go- goes on in one form or another all the time. And we haven't even gotten into the judging controversies this week, which outraged people. It, this boxing can only take so much of it. And that's led to the decline. At the same time, for sports fans, there are so many different alternatives. For combat sports fans, there are so many different alternatives. There are things that I'm not particularly into, might be generational. Esports are really growing, where you could see, you know, play these video games where people can blow each other's heads off or whatever they do. There's the, the fake wrestling still has a a fan base. There was a report, I don't know if it's verified, but it looks like Gable Steveson, the Olympic gold medalist at heavyweight and freestyle wrestling, might have signed with the WWE. There are all these other alternatives that are out there. And the promoters, the networks, the fans, uh, more and more saying, why do we have to put up with this crap? This This is utterly insane. And you add to it, the fact that in the U.S. you have the PBC, which started off saying, oh, we're going to bring back great boxing and free television, is now putting its lowest level fights on broadcast TV, such as Fox. I don't see how they could last much longer on Fox and doing all the, the big fights when they even have them on pay-per-view. 
and it's it's sort of like you know the walls are the walls are closing in and there's a little tidbit to throw in with this you might remember about 10 years ago there was a movie called real steel that starred uh, Hugh Jackman and it was set in the future for that which is actually our present when robot boxing <laughs> had taken over because uh, boxing and combat sports had just become too brutal they never fully explained the trans the transition and also it's a technology that didn't exist then and doesn't exist now in terms of where you could really control these robots to simulate boxing the movie did okay kind of then it went into cable and faded away but it was recently picked up by netflix and it's actually based on a 1950s uh science fiction story called steel by the, the late science fiction writer richard matheson and was also a version of it was in an early twilight zone in the 1960s with lee marvin uh, and it was called steel which you could probably find online somewhere anyway and all of a sudden in 2021 a lot of people on netflix are watching real steel the movie's having uh, an unheralded sort of grassroots revival and you got to ask yourself the, you know the clock is ticking for boxing there there isn't a real movement now to abolish it there might be in the future but it could marginalize itself right to a point where it's culturally irrelevant it's getting to that point already anyway just go ask people outside of the uk who are the heavyweight champions today or who's the heavyweight champion of the world and you're more likely to get a blank stare than than anything else and that certainly wasn't the case in our lifetimes so who is the heavyweight champion of the world <laughs> well there's not one that's where it gets you start to explain WBA and right, WBC and all this crap to people and that Fury and Joshua was supposed to fight. But, you know, you, you start to explain this and people just sort of shake their heads. Right, say, they tune out. What the hell? I mean, it's like the baseball season is heading. It's the pennant race is heading to the playoffs. And you're going to get to a situation where the American League champion says, we don't want to play the National League champion. We instead want to play, you know, a, a last place team. Instead, it, it's right. something you can't even, you know, that's that can't happen. But in boxing, it happens all the time. So I, I don't know that boxing and the combat sports have much of a future without a complete overhaul of their governance. And I also don't think you can have a major overall of the governance without it taking place first in in other sports such i mean you see olympic boxing aiba the the olympic boxing federation was suspended by the ioc which is hardly a big opponent of corruption and it still hasn't been reinstated we don't know if it will be despite some but not complete changes in their leadership. And if Olympic boxing goes, what's the effect going to be on professional boxing? 
So there are a lot of a lot of moving parts in this, and I think it's important to really focus on the core issue, the the the, the governance issue, right? To uh, for the sport and for the safety of everyone involved. But I'm not optimistic about it for boxing. Or for any major sports, because they're all corrupt. Yeah, but boxing is super we know, corrupt. All right. Yeah, the world champion of corruption. All right. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, look, that's all we have for you guys today. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I want to thank my girl, Melissa, from Girl Boxing Now. You guys follow her on Twitter. She's an yes. author and blogger, uh, author of a women's uh, history of women's boxing. You guys can pick that up on Amazon and my boy, Eddie at NHB news from no holes bar news. Eddie, he's the sage of combat sports. I want to thank you guys for being here today. Uh, you guys want to give a shout out to anybody on tell people where they can find you other than what I've already mentioned. <laughs> uh, girlboxing.org at, uh, and then on Twitter and Instagram girlboxing Now. There you go. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And I got patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. And I got a red bubble page if you want to buy a little bit of a merchandise with my. Oh, Eddie got my, merch. Yes, with my put them on cool. it. And you, could, yeah. you will look fabulous with it. I have every, everything on there oh. from T-shirts to mini skirts. So. Oh, oh, my Lord. Well, I don't know about You know I'm not doing any mini skirts. Right, right. We're not doing skirts have. over here. But yeah, right on. You guys go and check Eddie out on his Patreon page and pick up some of that Eddie No Holds Barred merch. And you guys can follow me on Instagram at LA Fight Goddess. On Twitter, I'm at Angry Afro Radio. We'll see you guys next time. Hit that like button. Follow us. Subscribe. We'll be out. Peace. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHeart.com. The home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot and Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop, advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y.com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon 
for much more no-holds-barred content that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent no-holds-barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even miniskirts at the new No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.